Hello, Amanda Smith here, and welcome inside a brand new episode of How She Did It, as always. Thank you so much for coming to hang with us on the pod today. If you haven't already, before this episode is over, make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss a show. So this week's guest is a former collegiate basketball player at the University of Tennessee and current ESPN basketball analyst. This was such a fun conversation, and I am so excited for you to get to listen to some of her story. Here's Andrea Carter. so much for joining me on the show. I'm so excited to uh, get to chat with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So first and foremost, how are you? How's it going? You just finished a very, very busy season in your life. Yeah, everything is going really well. Um, I feel so thankful that, you know, a year that had so many question marks and there were so many things that were unknown and everything was so limited for everybody that it actually ended up being such a big year of growth for me and my career. So I just feel really, really lucky, fortunate, um, and just thankful. So I feel like I'm in a good place. So let's talk about that year of growth because you have been doing some phenomenal things. You've been working as an ESPN basketball analyst uh, and with the SEC network. How did that start for you? Oh gosh. So this, this year specifically, or how did it start in general? Let's go this year specifically because we're going to hit the rewind button. Don't worry, we've got, we've got time. No, so this year, um, you know, it was crazy. Like, so last year um, I did a few games as a like in-game analyst and I did a few studio and then I actually did a lot of sideline reporting. But after the summer, you know, I was really fortunate to tell kind of my boss at ESPN that I really love studio. I was like, I love studio. I like, it's one of my favorite. That's where I want to be. And so like this year, even with limited assignments, they gave me studio like every Thursday. So like they're just ESPN and my boss, Pat Lowry, like she's really good at like putting me where my strengths are. And so this season they were like, you know, Dre, you're going to do games. There's not much sideline reporting going on. You're going to do games and you're going to do studio. Um, and that's where we're going to have you. And so really, really lucky that um, I did studio on Thursdays, games on Sundays. And so I actually had to drive to Charlotte. So a lot of people got a home kit, right? Like they had a home kit, they're in their house, they're working. So I didn't get a home kit because I was in the studio on Thursdays. So they wanted me there. And so I would drive back and forth to Charlotte, like two or three, sometimes four times a week. Um, but it ended up being great because while I was in Charlotte, you know, they would ask me to do some other things or, you know, like I was in Charlotte one day and they're like, Hey, do you, I was on a Sunday and they're like, well, while you're here, do you want to come over and do some studio for something else? And do you want to do SEC feature? Do you want to call a G League game? Do you want to do a men's game? Right. So like, there's just so many things that it was just almost like opportunities just started popping up either that people couldn't do or that they needed someone in the studio for. And I just said yes to everything, like anything that I could do. I wanted to do it. I wanted to give it a try. Um, and I just have so many good people around me. Like, all of my producers, all of the people I work with, they're all so encouraging, so knowledgeable. They share everything with me. They always give me feedback. And so this year it was just so many new things happening um, and it just kind of took off. It was, it was really cool. 
I love that you're just like smiling, telling this story. <laughs> like you can just, you look so happy. <laughs> you know, I think it's really cool that you brought up how you had a conversation with your boss at ESPN about where you felt like you really were shining and, and doing what you like. I'm curious how you went about bringing up that conversation. Cause I feel like maybe for up and coming broadcasters or, or people wanting to get into the business, you do say yes to almost everything, but how did you kind of have that conversation of like, this is maybe the direction I want to go in? Well, it was cool. You know, I actually got some through ESPN. I did some, a little bit of coaching. Like I had a, a session, a zoom session, um, with like a, one of ESPN's kind of broadcast coaches, which is really cool. Um, and so I showed him some film of me and he and I both decided, and he's done this for years, like such a long time. Um, he and I both decided after that session, that studio was my strongest area. Um, and so like, I just kind of included it in the email that I sent to, you know, you always send emails at the beginning of the season, like, you know, Hey, looking forward to the season. I can't wait. Um, after my coaching session, I do feel like my strong suit and what I want to pursue the most is studio. So as many opportunities as there, you know, if there are going to be opportunities in studio, I would like to have as many of those first and foremost, and then I'm open to anything else after that or outside of that. Right. So it was, it was more like just, just general, like touch base, talked about the coaching session that I had made an emphasis that studio was what I wanted to pursue more than anything, but then also like tagged it at the end with, but also open to any ideas or anything that you think is best, right? Because especially for me, I didn't know I wanted to get into ESPN like at all. So I didn't ever have anything in mind of what I wanted to do. So like last year when they wanted me to try sideline, I was like, sure, absolutely. Or when they want me to try studio and, and big Bristol studio, SEC studio, in-game analysis, I want to try everything because I didn't come into this field knowing what I wanted to do. So I'm just like, trying things and seeing what I like. And uh, so that was kind of the conversation, just making it known that those are the opportunities I would like to be put down for first. And then anything else, obviously I'll grind and I'll work and do as many things as possible as well. Well, I said we were going to hit the rewind button. We're going back all the way to a seven-year-old Andrea <laughs> looking at mom and dad <laughs> saying, I want to play college basketball. Yeah. Not just that. I want to play college basketball at Tennessee and for Pat Summit. Why was that the dream? Uh, you know, my uh, at seven, I just like those late 90s Tennessee teams. I was watching like I was watching them anytime that I could. Um, that was about that age for me. And so, you know, Tamika Catchings was my favorite player, loved her. When she went on into the WNBA and played for Indiana, Indiana was my favorite team. And I read all of Pat's books and Tennessee is not too far from home, right? So like I liked UConn and I have some family in Connecticut, but almost all of my family, my mom's side, my dad's side, my biological dad's side, they're all in Atlanta. And so Tennessee for me was always like the school that is just close enough. And, and I love, I'm, I'm kind of family oriented and my Nana who actually passed away while I was in college, but I wanted her to be able to go to all of my games. So, and she's also a huge Candace Parker fan. So like, even as I got older, it was just always Tennessee. You know, my Nana was like, do you see Candace Parker? Do you see Candace Parker? Like, always asking about her, talking about her. We would watch the games together. Um, so I just grew up like 
in middle school, my room was blue and my bathroom was orange. Like that was just, it was baby blue and it was more like a North Carolina blue, which wasn't by design, but um, <laughs> what it turned out to be, but it was blue and orange. And so I just like Tennessee was my dream school. Um, I remember when I met Pat for the first time, like in person, cause I played up on my AAU team, the Georgia elite, they were all like 10th grade or 11th grade. I'm in eighth grade and we're at this tournament and Pat's, you know, I like dove into the bleachers and like Pat was right above me watching our game. And I was like stuck. Like my coach was like, get up. What are you doing? Like, get up off the floor. So they made me introduce myself to her in the hotel. And I was freaking out as I was like the baby of the team. And so just Pat, catch Tennessee, Knoxville, just from a young age, it was just on my mind always. Do you ever think about like the reality of making that happen and, and that kind of full circle moment? Yeah, it's, I do think about it all the time. Like how I went from seven years old, like dreaming of just knowing Pat or her knowing my name to ninth grade, we're talking on the phone. Like just, I don't even know what we talked about. Just, just casually talking to Pat on the phone. Right. And then um, I committed as a sophomore and that was amazing. And I, ended up getting injured. Pat stuck with me through my injury. And then she made her announcement my senior year in high school, freshman year, she's head coach emeritus. And just having a relationship with her and being at Tennessee and being in Knoxville, it's, it's crazy because it is what I always wanted to do. But I also just had so like, as soon as I told my parents, they were on track. Like they were like, okay, well, we're going to do it. You're going to play up. You're going to go to bed at 10 o'clock at night. You're not going to be on your phone at night. Like you're, if this is what you want, this is what you're going to have to do. My dad coached me. Um, I was on really talented AAU teams, um, had really great coaches. Like all of my AAU coaches through all the years were, you know, just great from Daphne Pierce Smith, who was like my elementary and middle school AAU coach with my dad. And then I went on and played for Tim Ellis, who was, could probably have a college job if he wanted to. And then my high school coach, Coach Durden, he could probably have a college job if he wanted to as well. Um, I had great coaches. I had great teammates. I, you know, trained, you know, Brandon Clay, Kyle Moore, who also had college connections. So I just had like, it was almost like as soon as I said it, and then as soon as like we all got a glimpse that it could actually happen, everyone around me just like wrapped me up and carried me through to get me there. And all I had to do was play basketball. I didn't have to worry about anything else. Um, and I was just put in really good positions to work hard, to appreciate working hard, to be coached, to be mentored. And uh, so it's kind of like we all got the scholarship because I just have, I have so many, you know, people around me that are just awesome. I was reading an article where you said that, there's no way you would be where you are by yourself. Who are some of those people that you feel like you're talking about now that have always been in your corner? Oh man. I mean, my, my Nana, for sure. She, you know, like I always said, uh, you know, I was, I did an interview once and they were like, what's your favorite quote? And I was like, probably keep going baby. Because that's what my Nana would say to me all the time. She talked to me like, okay, keep going, baby. Well, keep going. If you want to keep going. And so, you know, she's just, in my heart always, um, always, always in my, like unconditional love. 
that is the first example probably that I've ever had. Um, my mom and my dad are phenomenal. Uh, my mom had me in high school and, you know, I would go stay with my Nana and stay with my mom. And so always, always in my corner, hands down, like I said, my dad coached me. Um, so he, he, he's always been there. All of my coaches, the ones that I mentioned already. Um, and then with, with ESPN, you know, LaChina Robinson has been a mentor with the rising media stars with before I got into an, uh, being an analyst, she is like her, her Instagram and her Twitter, I think used to be lives to inspire. And she does that. Like she helps me. She always answers my phone calls, like just hands down the biggest mentor. I've cried on the phone with her. We rejoiced together, like just hands down a true, true mentor. Um, LaChina Robinson, Maria Taylor, uh, before I got into, you know, actually working with ESPN, I went and stayed with Maria one weekend and she took me to the Charlotte studio, showed me around, introduced me to people. The SEC tournament, she gave me her pass to get into the tournament, right? So I'm like wearing this pass that says Maria Taylor. And everyone knows I'm not Maria Taylor, but it's fine. I just got in and like that helped me make the first connection with Pat Lowry, right? So like there's there's so many stories, but you know, Maria Taylor, LaChina Robinson have just been, those are probably my two biggest mentors in this, in the ESPN space, um, just because they have been so, so helpful. But even like Carolyn Peck, Courtney Lyle, Steffi Sorensen, Tiffany Green, really anyone that I've worked with has also played a mentorship role because they're all very experienced and they've always just allowed me to ask them questions and pick their brain. All Like there's never been anyone who I've asked a question to and they've told me to figure it out. They've always given me like the best answer possible uh, to get me going in the right direction. So I think that you know, Mar LaChina and Maria for sure, but I mean, it's countless. There, there are countless people. Um, so I think that even like Vol for Life Films, who I worked with, all that whole crew, my crew at the Thornton Center at Tennessee, Caitlin Ryan, I worked, I was her grad assistant. She mentored me just through life in general. So like, I've been really, really lucky to have incredible people just either above me or next to me even though I probably even shouldn't be next to them that have just like mentored me along the way when was broadcast on your radar of this is something I could pursue as a career well in 2016 probably because I had a fifth year to play basketball and for medical reasons you know decided not to take that fifth year and it was after that that I don't know if it was Maria or LaChina or someone at Tennessee. I don't know who it was, but they were just like, someone said, you should see if you could be the analyst for Tennessee games this season. Cause I was finishing my master's degree. Um, I had to finish my master's degree at Tennessee. I chose not to play basketball. And I was like, what am I going to do this year? Besides finish my master's, which is great. But they were like, see if you can call the Tennessee games and, and be an analyst and try to you know, just give it a try and I did. And I was terrible at first, uh, absolutely horrible, but I liked it. I really enjoyed it. And that was, it was that year. I think I did a few online games and I was like, okay, I like this. Was that, so that was the first time you stepped into the analyst role? Yeah. Yeah. 2016, I called a few Tennessee games and then my 
I don't want to say quote unquote, but my big game where I got, I guess, noticed was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I called the Tennessee games and that was cool. But uh, my coach, Coach Elsie, who's also a huge mentor, Kyra Elsie, she coached me at Tennessee, but then she went back to Kentucky. She called me one day and was like, hey, Drea, we need an analyst for our game tomorrow. Can you drive from Knoxville to Lexington to do the game? Um, we're playing Mississippi State. And this was the year that Mississippi State was really good, like Victoria Vivians, Tierra McCowan, like that whole team. And so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I know these players. I played against them last year. Yes, let's do it. So long story short, the game goes to overtime. Kentucky had Michaela Epps, but they weren't like a top team in the SEC. So it going to overtime was a big deal. And so if people weren't watching in the game, they probably started watching during overtime. And that's when everyone was like, who's calling this game? Like, who is this? And they were like, oh, it's Andrea Carter. And that's when it kind of started where I was getting a lot of people saying, hey, you need to do this. Like, you need to pursue this. This is something you need to do. So that game, thank you, Coach Elsie. I owe you big time. Um, that game was where I started getting a lot of push. They were like, you need to talk to Pat Lowry. You need to go to the SEC tournament this season. And it all just kind of went from there. I know you said like that first season and, and those first few games, you didn't feel like you were very good on the call, but why did you decide to stick with it? I know you said you liked it, but I feel like there's a lot of things people like that they're like, I'm not good at that. So I'm going to walk away. Because I felt like the things that like, I felt like there wasn't anything in that space that I couldn't get more comfortable with, with more reps. Like I like the, and it's almost anything, right. Where I just felt like the more that I do this, well, the more that I figure out how I need to prepare for this, because I think preparation is key. The more I figure that out, the more reps I get, I'm going to get better at this. If I just keep working. like, I just felt in an instance that, you know, it was going to be something where the more time I put in, the more I was going to get out. And so that for me, I kind of just thought, oh, this is my new basketball because that was basketball for me. Um, you know, you train and you get reps and you practice and you get better and better. I'm not a basketball player anymore. So what can I pursue the same way I pursued being a basketball player and what better thing to do that with than watching the game of basketball and talking about the game. And I just, I think that I also just, like I said, had so much support that it was almost hard for me to be like, you know, to the people that were like, hey, you've got potential. This is going to be really good for you. Do you enjoy it? Like everybody was like, do you enjoy this? Because you're really good. Like keep working at it. And so it was so hard for me to look at them and be like, I don't believe you. You know, like everyone was just so supportive, so positive. Um, the tennis, the people at Tennessee, we watched my first game together. Um, so I watched it with Tom Givens, Stacia Patterson, and like everything that they were pointing out to me, they're like, hey, this is what you said, but here's how you could have said it better. Or, hey, jump in right here, right? I immediately watched film after my first game and all the feedback I was getting, it was like, oh yeah, I can, I can do that next time. Or, okay, that makes sense how I can rephrase something stronger. And so all of that, plus just purely enjoying it, I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pursue this and, and see where it goes. Do you feel like had you chosen to play that fifth year, you may not have moved into the broadcast space? Yeah. It was maybe always on your radar and in the stars for you. I, I don't know. I mean, I, 
I don't know if I would have done it because, you know, maybe if I would have had a healthy, it's hard because I just think that the opportunity might not have, have been there if I took the next year or if I took another year to play, who knows what could have happened. Um, so I, I don't know. I think about that all the time because obviously I miss playing basketball, but with the way that my body was feeling, the way my knee was feeling, the way my shoulder was feeling, like, I don't think I would have had a long career as a player. It, it may have been short. It maybe have been overseas. So for me, I'm like, you know, I think that the decision that I made ended up being the best decision because I could have 100% missed this opportunity had I played that extra year. It's just so cool, like hearing about your story and, and kind of how you found a way to stay around a game that you love. I know that we're talking about Andrea, the basketball analyst, but you guys can't see, she's got an orange theory fitness shirt on. And so you're also a fitness coach at Orange Theory. What goes into that job? How did you start working in that job? And how do you balance working for ESPN and and being a fitness coach? It's crazy. Like basketball season is probably, I tell everyone at Orange Theory, like, listen, I promise I still work here, but you might not. (laughs) Um, So I fell in love with Orange Theory actually in Knoxville. So the year when I was getting my master's degree, decided not to play that fifth year. So I'm getting my master's. I'm doing some ESPN three games. I'm a grad assistant at Tennessee. I really, for a few months, stopped working out. Like I just, I didn't have my team. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't ever work out by myself. And so I just almost had anxiety, like going to the gym. I just couldn't do it. Um, And it was a former soccer player at Tennessee. Her name is Chelsea Hatcher. She was like, you need to try Orange Theory. You need to try it. There's coaching, there's music, there's people around you, but it's your own workout. And I was like, okay, fine. Like I don't have anything to lose. And so I tried it and loved it. So I was actually a member um, at Orange Theory in Knoxville in Bearden and just absolutely loved it. I got into working out again. Sometimes I would do like two classes a day because it was just so much fun. So then fast forward, I moved from Knoxville to Atlanta Um, and I needed a job that was flexible that I could, you know, and that I enjoyed. And so I, um, ended up pursuing being an orange theory coach. There was a girl that I played with in like middle school. Her name's Bria. She was like one of the best orange theory coaches in Atlanta. And so I hit her up again. This goes back to me just having people that are like, oh yeah, come on. Like, let's, this is what you want to do. Let's do it. Um, which is just how lucky am I that I could just message her and say, Hey, I think I want to be a coach. And she's like, Oh yeah, come on. Like I'll train you. I'll get you ready. And so she did that. And I became a coach and eventually got promoted to head coach, which works really well because as a head coach, you make the schedule. So for me, um, like during basketball season, I had to be in Charlotte on Thursdays and in Charlotte on Sundays. So I have three other coaches that are all amazing. They're really flexible. So I just made my schedule where I coach on Mondays in the evenings, Tuesday and Wednesday, I coach in the mornings because on Wednesday I got to drive to Charlotte. So I'm off on Thursdays. And like, I just made my schedule where it works for traveling to Charlotte, being in Charlotte on Sundays and Thursdays. Those are my off days at Orange Theory. But then Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, I work in Orange Theory. So for basketball season, there's no off day because I'm either in Charlotte or in the studio or at a game or at Orange Theory. But my bosses 
at Orange Theory are incredible. Like if I need to miss something, I'm in a head coach role so I can take PTO. Like it's just, it's two dream jobs because I'm connected to basketball in one and then I'm motivating and encouraging and guiding people on fitness journeys in another. Um, and then I can make the schedule work. So it's, it's I, I just, I don't really know how I got so lucky, but here I am and I'm, I'm really thankful because it's awesome. When you talk about, you know, meshing these two dream jobs that you have, as much as you love them, are there any days where you feel like this is a lot? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, d- definitely. You know, like there are some, there have been some days where just like because of the Orange Theory schedule, maybe I can't, like I'm driving back from Charlotte and I get back at like 3 a.m., but I have to coach Orange Theory at eight, right? And so like, those are the days where, the schedule doesn't quite line up the way I would love it to where I can like sleep or rest or, you know, something like that. And it's, I'll like finish coaching that day and then like, just go like sit in my car for a little bit and like have to like decompress or, and it's hard too, because both jobs require you to be on. Like, it's not like I'm going and like sitting and typing, not that anything is wrong with that, but it's in both of my jobs, I can never just be to myself. So if I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling upset or I'm feeling anything, for both spaces, I have to put that away and kind of perform and just not think about myself. So there are some days where I would like get really overwhelmed once I do think about how I'm feeling. But for the most part, like, it's just, there are great people at Orange Theory, there's great people at ESPN. And so whenever I get to that space, it's just a blast. Like it's, I almost can't even believe that basketball season's over now because like it just went by so fast. Like I can't believe that it's already over. It felt really hard some days, but it flew by. I mean, it was, um, but yeah, some days I am like, Ooh, this is really hard. But then now I'm like, Oh man, it's over. Like I want to do it again. I know. I miss it. I miss, I it, I miss it. <laughs> uh, is there anything you feel like you have learned from being a fitness coach at orange theory? that you can take into your job as a broadcaster and vice versa? Man, that's, that's interesting. I think communication is obviously huge. Um, as you can probably see today, I can get like really, really wordy. Um, but I think that's my favorite thing ever. (laughs) I know know it's good. It's good for podcasts and stuff when I'm asked to share, but for, for ESPN and for orange theory, it's, you know, having a thought, like, especially like an orange theory, you know, the music is really loud and I'm giving cues on the mic, but if I have to help someone with a certain exercise, I, you know, I have to turn my mic off. The music is really loud. I probably have something else I need to say on the mic in like a minute. So I've got to figure out what I can say to this person, how I can communicate with them. It's harder now with masks, but like through eye contact, through words, how can I fix their form or tell them what they need to do in the quickest way possible so that I can keep coaching, right? And so just communicating and eye contact and interactions and expressing myself, I do that in both spaces. Same thing for ESPN, if the, you know, if they're like, you know, Andrea, what do you think about Georgia? And the producer is in my ear and he says, you got 15 seconds here. I'm like, okay, how do I say this in the strongest way that gets my point across and that communicates the right way? So I think just the communication piece projecting my voice, inflections, deciding what to say in the moment, 
both of those things go hand in hand because I do it at Orange Theory and I do it at ESPN, obviously talking about different things, but I think just that piece, the communication piece and just being able to connect to people. Because at ESPN, you're trying to connect to the audience or just trying to connect to Steffi or Alyssa. You want it to feel genuine. Like I'm talking to you at home about South Carolina and I'm convicted about it. Same thing at Orange Theory. Um, I'm connecting to, or trying to at least, connect to every single one of the members so they feel what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. Um, So yeah, they do go hand in hand. It's like I said, it's so cool. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I really quickly want to play a game with you. Okay. This is a new game. Never been done on the show before. So we'll see how it goes. You know, sometimes things make sense in my head and then we'll go from there. Okay. So obviously Andrea, an elite level athlete. So you know, you know what it takes to to play at not just a high level, but one of the most renowned programs in women's college basketball history. If you had to name five skills that you feel like are like, as an athlete, you need these skills to be successful. What would they be? Oh man. As any athlete, not a basketball player, any athlete. Let's go as a basketball player. Okay. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to write them down. Cause this is, this goes with our game. Oh, all right. All right. Um, I think as a basketball player, uh, ball handling skills, okay. I mean, dribbling the basketball, I think is you know, even for a post player, like if you can handle it just a couple of times, right. Um, balling skills, defense is big. Um, the, I'm going to say core strength, which might not actually be like a skill. So I don't know, you know, what our parameters are here, but core strength is important. Um, endurance, like you got to be in shape, like physical. Uh-huh and the ability to score you know score is asking okay I've got these all written down so now if you had to make your ideal basketball player from current professionals whose ball handling would you want to to take oh man whose ball handling would I want you see where we're going with this I do. I see okay. where we're going. I see where we're going. I, I see it. I feel we're getting like. the, it's early still. We're waking it's up. early? I mean, it's only like 1130 where I am. Where are you? You live in Atlanta? Yeah, I live in Atlanta. Oh, so you're like 130. You're like, what are you talking about? It's lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like, it's not, I thought you meant it's early in the game. And I was like, oh man, it is. I guess it is kind of early in the game. <laughs> a long way to go. Um, who's ball handling skills? Golly. Okay. This is, I'm going to say she's got my last name. She's in Atlanta. I'd like, I'd like the tight crossover of Kennedy Carter. Yeah. I love that. All right. Now this player, they also need to, to play some defense, <sighs> defensive skill set. Do you want them to have? Mm, let's see. Um, Maybe Elena, Elena Beard. I mean, she's okay. defensive player of the year. Uh, you know, I think that that was a few years ago, but she guards on the perimeter, really good at getting steals, just like just a strong defensive presence. So I'm gonna say, yeah, Elena Beard. To go with that, who's got your strength and your core strength? Oh 
my gosh. That strong body. Man, strong body, core strength. I'm trying to think of like who just takes a hit and like just is strong as ever. Like just really strong. Um, I had to guard her once. I took a hit and it was crazy. Alyssa Thomas. I'm, I might go with Alyssa Thomas. She's strong. Took a hit from her. I did take a hit from her playing against her in college. It was terrible. Um, but yeah, I just feel like she's like a train. So yeah. All right. Endurance. That go, go, go. And you're like, aren't you tired? Yeah. Just a player that never stops. I feel like maybe Brianne January. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like she's got a high motor. I'm just gonna say the ones that come to my mind. I took yeah. an improv. I took an improv class, and they said not to think about things too long. So that's that's who came to my head. So there we go. I love that. Okay, last one. We're wrapping it up because at the end of the day, who's your bucket? Oh, end of the day, who's my bucket? Who's scoring? Man, mm. that's tough. That's tough. Uh. I feel like this is so hard, you know, because like, you know, Candace can score, Stewie can score, Diane Taurasi is obviously like one of the goats of scoring the basketball. We'll go, we'll go with Taurasi. Okay. <laughs> Way to go. See, you did, you just made a decision. Cutthroat. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a good sport and playing that game. We've just got a couple fan questions for you before okay. oh, our time is over. So sad. So Joe, this kind of like is a good lead in from what okay. we're talking about. Cause we're talking about women's basketball players, but Joe would like to know your favorite athlete of all time. Serena Williams. Amazing. Yes. I got asked, I don't know what I was doing. It was a question. I was like, if you could watch any sporting event, what would it be? And I think everyone thought I was going to say a basketball game and it was actually past or present. And it would 100% be one of Serena's tennis matches. I love her. So you've never met her? No, I've never met her. Never met her. Um, maybe this will speak it into existence. Uh, yes. Never met her. I've actually never been to like an, an open, a tennis open either, but I love tennis. Um, so yeah, if I could just see her before she retires. I've got to do it. Just know when that does happen, when you do meet her and y'all post a pic together, I'm screaming. Do it. Wherever do it. I am. I'm probably going to be screaming. I'm into screaming. I'll be <laughs> happy for you. <laughs> um, so next one is from Sarah. They would like to know what is something sports have taught you? Man, I think sports taught me well, how to be a part of a team uh, and, and think of the bigger picture, what's bigger than myself, for sure, which is useful at ESPN um, and, and in Orange Theory, too. But like even at ESPN, like Monica McNutt and Kelsey Riggs and I, when we're on set at Bristol, who both of them are amazing. But it's kind of like, hey, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? Or if Monica had a point on a game that maybe I was going to talk about, she shared it with me or, or she might have a game that she had a nugget on and I could add to her. Right. So just like that, the team aspect, teamwork, and then just work hard. Like I am not afraid of work. I'm not afraid of hard work. I'm not afraid of being tired or feeling tired. 
um, because of sports. Last question is going to come from me. Uh, I asked the same question to each guest at the end of each episode. Um, and so what is something you are proud of yourself for? I think I'm proud of myself for finding something else to love and work hard at after basketball was over because that was like playing basketball is still to this day and I could like almost get emotional thinking about it but it's still like to this day my favorite thing like there's nothing more fun. I haven't found a single thing more fun than playing the game of basketball I loved it I lived for it I thought I would be doing it until I was like 50 um so I think I'm just proud that even though like it hurts sometimes and I'm not playing anymore, I'm proud that I can with like very happily and full of genuine joy pursue inspiring others through something other than basketball. And I think that, um, cause I didn't know what I was going to do. And it was like a very dark time. So I think coming out of that and just the energy and the passion that I feel for this new career and the connections that I've made and the, people that I've been able to connect to not being a basketball player anymore. Um, I think I'm proud of myself for that. Thank you for sharing that, that, that hit kind of deep for, for me, because granted I didn't play at the college level, but I had uh, many injuries where, you know, it kind of changed the, the direction of what I thought I was going to be doing. So thank you for sharing that. I'm like, you're like, I could tear up. I'm like, am I, am I crying? <laughs> Well, you're doing amazing things too, despite injuries or, I mean, this was awesome. It was so easy to talk to you. So much fun to, to talk to you. And you just had the, you said I was smiling. You were smiling the entire time. So I love this. Get out of here. We're going to be BFFs now. You're like, you've got a friend for life. This is what happens. It's like, once you're on the show, we're connected forever. We can go watch (laughs) Serena together. That's the winner. This, yes, this is going to happen. Yes. I'm speaking it into existence as well. (laughs) Andrea, thank you so much for for your time and for being so open and and sharing parts of your story past what we see on on television and what we've seen from you in a uniform. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. Guys, thanks so much for listening. For Andrea Carter, I'm Amanda Smith, and we'll catch you next time on How She Did It. 